Welcome to the 40K Lorecast. Welcome to 40K Lorecast with me, John Barsati, and of course, Brad Chester. This guy. All right, so Brad... Heresy is risen. Where are we today? We've got Horus, fully corrupted, determined to do anything for the greater good. He's going to do any bad act. Betraying his brothers is now okay. We've got three. Horus <laughs> plus three. So Horus plus three. Horus plus three. Yeah. They're plotting on how they're going to get more, but they're also plotting on how they're going to get rid of anybody that's not loyal to him, specifically in the Legion. So effectively he only wants the people that are corrupted but it's more the people that are only willing to do anything that their primarch says he wants to weed it out to have only the most fanatical because they're going to do some bad shit and they're going to really rationalize the crap out of it <laughs> they're going <laughs> to well they're they're basically saying well we have to do this horrible thing and then we're going to do the next horrible thing. And they got to have people that are willing to rationalize their terrible behaviors. Or in the case of the world eaters, just tell them to do stuff. Because they were already going to do some terrible shit. World eaters are going to world eater. Yeah. They, are. <laughs> they were, they're like, you, we want you to do this. Oh, that's too far. That's, oh, you're that's already what, doing it? Yeah. Oh, all right, well, do you want any direction? No. Okay, no, no. Well, you're all cool. Oh, cool. Right. You guys are going to murder people already? Yeah, cool. <laughs> Good of you. So we're going to start here with. Istvan three. Um, this is what I was just talking about. Horus has as it needs to purge his legions. We've got a certain number of so the one interesting thing about this is that the legions come from multiple places originally. Uh, once the once the Primarchs were discovered and they began conquering planets, they built their own little se- sections of, of the galaxy that their you know, space marines would come from. But initially, a lot of them actually came from Terra. And a lot of them were actually, the, the, the Emperor found them, infused them with the Primarch's gene seed, and then made them part of the Legion. Those soldiers are exceptionally loyal to the Emperor and Terra. So we got a little bit of a challenge here. The, so as, as Horus or as Fulgrim or Mortarian, I've got, and well, as a leader, I have to get these guys out of my army. Because if I go and say, I'm going to go attack the Empire... Then all of a sudden, like the captain of one of my spaceships might not be loyal to me, and he might fly my the, the spaceship into the sun, or warn dad, or, or worse, yeah, <laughs> go back and warn dad, yeah. or be a ship that I have to even best case scenario, be a ship that I have to fight now. So what Horus realizes is that he's got a clever plan. He does this a lot. I mean, really, Horus is one of the better tacticians in, in the stories of 40K. Um, I think Gilliman's better, but more so as Gilliman shows up at the He's bureaucracy, but he's also bureaucracy. Yeah, true, fair enough. What he decides to do is that this world Istvan III, he tells everyone is in rebellion against the Empire. Which, by the way, the Istvan system is going to be bad news bears for everyone. But Yeah. So, I mean, Bradley put... Was Istvan III in rebellion to the Emperor? Absolutely not. <laughs> what he does is he says, we're going to attack it, and then handpicks who's going down. And it is all of the, what we'll begin referring to now as the Loyalists. And and all the Loyalists are sent and down And the thing there. is, is that in this, though, there is members of the Lodges. Mm-hmm. They go down there, and they 
kind of start figuring out, hey, man, everybody's been acting real funky lately. <laughs> and yeah, and they, they start figuring out, hey, I've been really, you know, ostracized by the guys that used to be my closest of my brothers. We, we never had anything. We, we shared everything. And all of a sudden, I'm not invited. Or there was a meeting, and weirdly enough, I didn't get to go to that one. And now I'm going on this very fishy expedition, expedition yeah. to go kill a populace. But they do it, and they go down there, and they slaughter the people of Istvan and kill. <laughs> because they did not have defense. There's no defenses, and they didn't know they were coming, and they also were like, we didn't do anything wrong. What's happening? So they begin fighting through, and this is the moment. And now, just as they win, Horus decides to eliminate all of his opposition from orbit with... Fire bomb. Well, he basically sends down nukes plus. The world eater virus. Yeah. It legitimately kills... All organic, yes, on the planet. It's to, it's when you want to use the planet later and you've got terraforming, so you don't care. Mm -hmm. And you just want to make sure nobody's left there. Well, it melts all of the organic matter and turns it into methane, mm -hmm. which it then lights on fire. And yeah. so what you get is this thing. First, every living thing dies. And then the entire planet explodes into a ball of fire. I mean, that's not optimum. Yeah, I mean, it, it's efficient. But now we're in one of the cooler parts of the story, which is, as with all good stories, um, the good guys have a play. And so two two players here, Saul Tarvitz and... Garo. So Tarvitz is from Emperor's Children, so Fulgrim's uh, army. The perfectionist. The, the, how about this? The vain one. The vain one. And Garo is from Death Guard, so Mortarian's army. Um and I believe Garrow, I believe, had, I believe, Garrow was a loyalist, but couldn't be sent down because he had to get a cybernetic implant in his leg. And he finds out, kind of by chance, to be perfectly honest, mm -hmm. he had some, he had some pretty big plot armor in this book, actually, but. Garrow's cool. Garrow. No, Garrow is fantastic because Garrow has, a, as well as a lot of the Death Guard, they have a very strict moral code mm -hmm. of what they want to do because of the fact that Mortarian originally was came from a planet that had tyrannical rulers. So mm -hmm. he was very against the bully, the tyrant. So he taught his legion to be against that, which he Garo is very, very big. I to be honest with you, I completely forgot his first name. I just know he's Garo. <laughs> <laughs> So Nathaniel Garo. Yeah, Nathaniel Garo. <laughs> and, and Tarvitz. So these two, actually together, they're friends. And so even though they're from different... You know, legions, but the legions used to fight together all the time. I don't know if we've done a good enough job about that. And I apologize for that. Mm -hmm. But the, the legions consistently were doing joint operations all the time. Well, and this was the... Because that was the purpose. This is why the emperor made them with different, you know... Uh, positive attributes so each of them excelled in different areas it was designed not to make them all independent bodies but actually to make it so well whatever we're fighting if we if we have to go fight someone who's got very good defenses you know we're going to bring the iron warriors and, and we're going to if we have someone who just 
has a lot of bodies we have to get through. We're bringing Angron. But usually you wouldn't just have one. You'd have multiple. So yep. maybe we would bring the Iron Warriors to break the defenses, then Angron to go through and, and do the pieces. This is how these guys all fought. Yep. The Death Guard were a really cool army because they were very controlled. They, they moved Infantry methodically. Yeah, myth methodically move forward. They would take land, conquer land. And you could imagine partnering them with someone like an Emperor's Children who were a perfectionist that had artillery and all these things. Or you partner them up with you know, the Blood Angels, whoever, to make a combo that's... It's combined, un it's combined armed forces. Unbeatable. So, so these two, Tarvitz and Garrow, discover not only kind of in a rather a whirlwind of events discover a um chaos exists kind of uh so our primarchs who've been worshiping have turned against the emperor they want to kill the emperor and but before that they want to kill a bunch of our brothers on a fake mission down on this planet well to be you gotta make the, the emotional impact right though your dad you just found is on his way upstairs to shoot you. Yeah. And you're not a hundred percent sure why, but you just found out he also did a whole bunch of bad things before he's coming upstairs yeah. to do that. This is coming. And so these two do the hero thing and they go and they effectively take a ship and hired a ship. I honestly, I read the book a couple times and I went in my head, I kept calling it the Einstein. And then I was, when I researched and realized I missed an S. <laughs> it, it, it is the Eisenstein, it's not the, the Einstein. Yeah, it, it's the Eisenstein. So they steal the Eisenstein. One thing that, that Horace had done, and the people down on the surface thought was odd, was there was no communication with the spaceships. All of these soldiers fighting down on the surface, it was dead air going up. So they assumed that it, there was radio blockage, whatever it was. It wasn't. It was actually Horace just wasn't telling them anything and letting them fight. Well, they were also busy murdering all the loyal mm -hmm. ship crew, the actual regular humans, yeah. the non-Marines. And they were effectively throwing these guys in a wood shepherd, to be honest. But oh, that's yeah. pretty much what was happening. So they decide, so Tarvitz and Garrow grab this Eisenstein and they fly down to the surface and they just broadcast a message on, on, on the open frequency because that's a thing inside. Mean, you got to remember, Garvin's also down there. Uh, oh yeah, we'll get to Garvin yeah. in a minute. But yeah. But they're done. So they, they send this broadcast out there and say, hey, you're about to be attacked, effectively. Take cover. Take cover. Well, you're not going to be attacked. They're virus bombing, yeah. what it's called, the planet. You need to get underground. Not just underground. You need to get underground in a shelter that can withstand now. a, a nuclear, again, nuclear blast plus one. Yeah. So they fly through. This message goes out. And actually, a lot of the space marines do hear it. And they do take shelter. And so the, the and then the Eisenstein decides to take off and fly back there. And we're going to get doing back this, to them in a second, I promise. Say, yeah. On the planet, though, the, the biggest things because they have some big fights yep. down there. They have actual chaos-infused things down there. This is, yes. what, this is why they get, what is chaos? Why am I being attacked by a tentacle monster? Because there was chaos spawn mm -hmm. and all these. There was a bunch of Slaanesh-infused things down there from the Emperor's Children. So... There's a bunch of things that they're fighting and they've never seen before, which is all this chaos stuff. And also, while you're battling this thing you've never seen before, you, one of your brothers goes, hey, they're virus bombing the planet. So you've got some serious, it's not a great day. It's not the best day you've ever had. Duck. So the good news is, for the good guys, is the space marines on the planet do take cover. They, they go, they hide. not all of them, but a lot of them do. And then the Eisenstein takes off towards Earth. 
it gets horribly beat up. Oh, we're going to get to that. <laughs> we are not. I am not going to do a cast on, on this and not. I mean, it's a full book. By yeah, the way. They wrote a whole book on it. We're going to do the Flight of the Eisenstein a, is a novel and a very good book at that. So we're yes. going to spend some time on this for a lot of very good reasons. So they blow up. Then Angron. Horus realizes that his bombing campaign of his loyalist brethren doesn't go quite to plan. Well, There's a bunch of them well, alive. Fact that up just a little bit. Angron was already mad because he wasn't personally allowed to kill everyone in the planet. Yeah, Ang Angron's plan was so. Horus's plan was we should preserve our soldiers. We'll we'll trick the loyalists. We'll go down there. They'll fight a bunch of people. They'll die during that. And then we'll bomb you know Angron's who, he, plan was, why don't, we, why don't you just let me go down there and kill each of them one by I'll one? I'll punch everybody yeah. in the face yeah. individually. Also, remember when we said Horus, brilliant tactician? No one's really ever said that about Angron. Yeah. Angron's tactician is, I am here and I'm going there. And everything between here and there, I'm going to hit with a chainsaw. This, this, this weird little moment, but it, this, this story may not seem important right now. But it speaks to kind of stuff we're going to cover later about some of the challenges that the traitor legions had and this is and angron's a good example of it so horus's plan has gone partially to plan but it's not all the way there there are still loyalists who are alive on the surface so what you would normally do in this situation is bomb it again wait them out they, they have, have nowhere them. to they go have, they have nowhere to go they have no way up. they're in a legitimate underground bunker <laughs> so just bomb it again or if you're Angron, grab a bunch of legions and drop pods and launch yourself down there with all of your guys, with 50 companies, and just go kill the survivors hand to hand. On a planet that's currently on fire. Yeah. I mean, again, if they ever make cinematics of the show, this one's got some potential for looking. Yeah, it's going to look pretty good. <laughs> yeah. like, CGI ooh. budget's going to be pretty high. Yeah, but, uh, but man, is, it, is this going to be cool looking? So they launch down, and now, I mean, Angron goes, other people follow. He's not alone in this one. And they begin fighting and killing the loyalists, and the loyalists are fighting back. It effectively turns into hand-to-hand -hand combat, because to Brad's point, the world's on fire. Like, there's no... The world's on fire, and everybody's... It, it, there's rubble. It's just destroyed everything. On the world's on fire. Everything's destroyed. You were literally fighting guys as you find them because you jumped over a destroyed building into a wall. Oh, there's fifty guys standing right there. So go time. Go time. Yeah, exactly. And I think let's one thing I, I thought we could cover here is a fun little side story. Not really think it's that important, but it's good. It's Lucius. Also. Go to Warhammer Plus. He is as a fantastic cartoon on there right now. Lucius, Lucius is a fun side story and a good example of the corruption of chaos. So Lucius is a champion in Emperor's Children. He's he's a duelist. Yeah, he's an actual. Before he came completely into chaos, he was a wildly overconfident duelist that got ruined by multiple people. Multiple people. The reason he gets corrupted is because he suffered back to back losses when he hadn't been losing ever before and they basically went we will make it so you don't lose anymore and he was like gone done They're like hey you have to stab old ladies in the face he's like yeah i don't care at all so lucius was an interesting one because he was sent down with the loyalists because he was friends with a lot of the loyalists and they and fulgrim didn't think he could trust him and so he was sent down there to go die and while down there um he survives the virus bomb. 
Well, <laughs> he also does not do good with all the people that survived. And turns. So he actually turns while he's there. And I like this story a lot because we talk about the way that they, these people were being corrupted. This was an individual corruption. It wasn't this thing of, like, there was no mind control here. Each space marine who joined the traitors joined the traitors. Well, also, a lot of these people, Lucius included, the chaos gods are persuasive. They are insidious. They individually corrupted a lot of these people. This isn't a fulgrim overall plan. This is the chaos gods individually going to each person and going, what is the thing you most want? He most wanted to be the best. I want to be the best hand-to-hand duelist of all time amongst all my brothers. And they went, cool, got it. I mean, he technically has never lost ever again. The reason the Lucius story is interesting is that Lucius is standing with the loyalists, preparing for this attack by the traitors. And the loyalists, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Lucius explodes and attacks them from the inside. So not only did they get betrayed once, but if you if you happen to be near Lucius, you got betrayed twice. <laughs> yeah, real bummer. The, yeah. The, be, the best swordsman you know has just decided to start cutting people down. Yeah, and he just cuts and cuts and cuts. Eventually, this all results in Horus does kill the rest. He is able to convince Angron to leave. Weirdly, weirdly enough, point. a couple rando people survive. Yeah. Because, they, well, one, they get buried beneath rubble and everything else. They accidentally don't kill people, but mainly because a building fell on them. And they couldn't get to them. But he bombs them again from space. He does eventually do what he wanted to do, which is bomb them again from space. So the other thing that's kind of cool about this is that we're now talking about tens of thousands have died all at once. And a virus, no, sorry, the virus bomb, billions, but actually trillions have died. An entire planet has suddenly died. What this does, which actually helps Horus out, is it actually makes the warp unstable. Which they have retconned twice. I know. <laughs> so I'll just go with what my favorite theory Please. is, is what the, the chaos gods are helping Horus out by making the, the warp unstable. That is not the full canon, but it makes the most sense, is that if any time right now the Emperor finds out what's actually happening, he signals the rest of his brothers, stops the corruption, stops what's happening, and none of this goes down. Oh, see, I, I took it as the that level of death, violence. Because the virus can, bomb is going gonna, is gonna to feed Nurgle because it's played. It, it's both. Corn yeah. from the violence. The, you know. But I'm saying, I, I, my thing, my take, and you can take this anything, but that's the problem is, is we've had multiple stories about why. Because this is, for again, 40 years in the making of the same story that's been added on. So this is, I, you know what? I agree with what you just said and also what I just said. Yeah, because everyone's right. That's a good It powers you up. It powers them up to do what I was saying, but like the, the sheer body count in the first place can, can do all this stuff. Exactly. And I think what's, what happens, it makes us important, is that this now clouds the warp. And so this- Well, and, that's the biggest thing. Is they the, can't, again, if there's real communication- all of this goes down right now. Yeah, immediately the emperor is aware there has been a revolution and Horus is done. So now Horus is, is actually shielded. No one knows this is happening. If you want to go tell the emperor that Horus turned on him, 
You have to go physically tell the emperor. But you also have to find out that it's or happened. Or you could try and pierce through the uh, the psychic barrier around him, and then good and job, then Magnus. Good job, Magnus. Jeez. But but also, <laughs> this leads us to well, I guess we do. We do we flight before us, the, the drop zone massacre. Yeah, because it's actually happened before. So well, that's true, true, true. So, true, true. So going back to what we talked about earlier with Garrow and the loyalists on the on the Eisenstein. Now they have they have come out of Istvan three and they try sending a message to Earth, and it just doesn't go anywhere. They realize pretty quickly that's not going that that's not going to work, and they need they need to go. They all so at this point have to deal with a little problem on their ship in that they commandeered this ship, but unlike Horus, they didn't do a little like stat check on every on, every, on everyone on the bo- yeah. on, 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 on board. Say, hey, you guys are with us, right? Yeah. So about half the ship's not. <laughs> yeah. So he's actually they're on a spaceship in a war zone where everyone's pissed off, and half his spaceship is traitors. So there's an issue here. <laughs> Who? They're they're not even, but we have backed that up. They're traitors that think that they are loyal. Yeah, it's true. So now you've that got, is that is the, this. The, you got to remember that's the narrative. Spy right? versus spy. Well, it's the narrative is that we are actually the ones fighting for our fellow brothers. Yeah. You are the one fighting against it. So on this ship, they get attacked by the other half of the ship. Effectively, their astropath actually killed and that's why they can't get they, back they, they to terror they, they, they have a whole fight and this giant fight breaks out within the ship and i wish about the ship's not static this ship is moving it's moving towards planet through atmosphere doing all this stuff so this story we're talking about happens in i don't know five minutes six minutes of absolute chaos so they battle breaks out I literally turned away from my microphone for this. Yeah. I love that we set up a bomb on the ship. And the next line that John put up is super good idea. Yeah, no, <laughs> always good to, to have your gunfight around the world eater bombs. It's <laughs> like if you want to duck for cover, nothing quite like a giant thing of TNT to hide behind. So they're having their fight, and eventually the fight ends up in the bombing bay because, again, that's where you go to fight. And a stray bolter bullet, again, I promise you, if you read the books, most of them are good. Some of them are kind of like, oh, come on, man. It's just lame. But anyway, all of the traitors happen to be in the bomber bay <laughs> fighting the loyalists. And someone shoots the propane tank, which starts the whizzing sound. And the one hero jumps on the airlock and hits it. And closes it and everybody goes and and everyone gets killed by the virus eater bomb and the ship is able to move on but we're not done yet because now they enter orbit and once they're up in orbit the terminus est battle cruiser which is typhus's ship yeah so mortarian's got a right-hand man named typhus who is actually more down with Nurgle than Mortarian is. Oh, so much more. Typhus was all in on this one. Yeah. Typhus is Typhus is For kinda... some unknown reason, Typhus went Lord of Decay. I'm in. Yeah, this is everybody fantastic. else had to be tricked. He was like, This sounds great. This sounds fun. I'm just doing this now. So they now on their, you know, I mean, again, it's not a tiny ship to Eisenstein, but compared to a battle cruiser. Oh, it's, he gets docked this shit. This is a Star Destroyer versus the Millennium Falcon, but it's a slower Millennium Falcon and not as cool. But so they now come out and immediately 
typists just start shooting at it. And this is, we're blowing this thing out of the sky. And they take catastrophic damage. (laughs) They barely, they, they do the whole, you know, jump to warp. I don't care where. uh, Yeah. They went in a random direction. Boom. Get me into the warp. They they, they also have no one to guide them. They just went, we're going to go that way. And they went into the warp. They jump into the warp and they're in the warp. I mean, it's like rudderless, directionless moving. But more importantly, their Gellerfield has failed. Yep. And the Emperor did not tell anyone what's in the warp. So these guys are in the warp and they're getting told where our, our Gellerfield is down. And they go, so, Brad, why is it bad when a Gellerfield is down? Because the demons have free raid inside your, <laughs> your, your space now. It used to be your private space. It is now very public space and the public is real shitty. (laughs) So now we're starting to see, and this is kind of where the story gets really cool. We start getting all these things that are commonplace and 40 in what we would call 40 K. But now this is their first experience. This is the first plague Marines appear. Well, they also made, if you've ever role played or you've ever written a, a, get a wish from a genie or anything like that. Oh yeah. Always read the fine print. Cause while they're in the warp, they get a horrible rotting disease and Nurgle comes in and says, I can totally help you out. And they go, I will do whatever it takes to not die from this disease. And he goes, no problem. You won't die from the disease. And uh, they don't. The disease doesn't go away. They just don't die yeah. from it. Yeah. They horribly suffer from the disease and they continue to suffer from the disease, but they are effectively never going to die specifically from the disease and they can pass the disease on to others. So they are this bloated. I can't even, I want to not undersell that. They are such a bloated carcass inside their armor. Imagine a suit of, I mean, it's power armor, but it is, you are so bloated, you are busting out. I mean, everyone see, if if you've never seen, again, if you're new to 40K, we've all seen a knight in in armor. Imagine that armor bursting from the inside with like pustules coming out of it. Just purple, blue colors, everything. With such force that it's busting out of, I mean, futuristic sealed space armor. There's no in and out of anything. You're blowing that out. And And by the way, you're also, the thing about that is super angry. So if you're not one of these things, that thing's coming to kill you. Yeah, you're not super excited that one of your guys made a deal with a chaos entity. And now... You would like to die, but you can't. And so now that thing is fighting you. So Garrow and the other loyalists are stuck on this ship fighting possessed space marines. And they're losing. The space marines. It's a big thing on this. You have a good note on this, but I I want to throw out. They eventually realize that if they stay in the warp anymore, they have no chance. Because this the warp is actually fueling more and more and making them actually more powerful. So Garrow then realizes his only chance is to leave, is, is to come out. So they just drop out of the warp. But they're also 
in the middle of nowhere. Middle of nowhere. With and- a busted ship in a bunch of effectively zombified. They're not even zombified. They're just non-dying players. Yeah. These are guys invincible. Effectively, yeah, invincible death warriors. Yeah, they were literally in the books. They're just putting unbelievable amounts of bolter shots into people's faces and everything else, and and they're just not caring. Whatever. So, but luckily, as soon as they drop out of the warp, they're able to kill them. Once they get out of the warp, Nurgle's power is not strong enough, and now they become like just diseased plague, diseased space marines, and they're able to kill them. They they kill them. But. They're still, as Brad just said, kind of in the middle of nowhere. With a broken ship. With a broken ship. And Garrow again. Actually, we should circle back on this. We've talked about this before. The Primarchs are incredible. Even a regular Space Marine is a genius. They are tactically geniuses. They're able to diagnose situations and come up with solutions. That's what makes them so powerful. It's not that they're just bigger and stronger and faster than everybody else. They're smarter than everybody else. Well, they can also take in more information than a normal person like by a hundred times they they can you can give them orbital relay information everything that's happening on the planet everything else and they boom right just like a regular space marine not a prime market regular space regular guys yes so garrow realizes that they need they can't go back into the warp obviously they're thousands of light years from from where they need to be they have no communication what are we going to do so he decides to blow up one of his warp drives. Just overloads it, kicks it out of the ship, and it blows up. Because a blowing up warp drive, everyone can see. The entire universe can see. And Brad's favorite Primarch is watching and Rogel Dorn. And he does exactly what you expect him to do. Be a dick. We're trying to warn you of something happening. We barely made it out alive. We're fighting for our lives the whole time. What's Rogel Dorn do? Nah, I don't really believe you. What if I just throw you all in prison? So Rogel grabs... Without even letting you tell your story. Rogel Rogel just grabs the whole ship, throws them all on the brig of his ship, blows up the the Eisenstein, so that thing's gone, and jumps (laughs) back... I forgot about that. Just blows it up. He's like, no, uh, that thing's gone. And jumps, and, but he won't take them back to Earth to see the Emperor. He takes them to Luna, which we all know it's the moon. But he takes them to, to, and it goes a giant fortress on Luna. It takes them there. And then gets super butthurt when he's told that his brother is all turned on the Emperor. I mean, Brad loves Rogel. So I'll let, I'll let Brad discuss how cool Rogel was at this. He legitimately had every single information. Also, all of the information is on the ship. You could have said, hey, what happened? These supercomputers that are literally sentient, basically, could have told you everything. Instead, you're going to have me verbally tell you a story that you could have confirmed instantaneously. Oh, look. There's the video footage of the Plague Marine. Also, you could have sent a message to the Emperor so long ago if you would have just paid any attention. Luckily, eventually, Rogel does come around and decides to go tell the Emperor, who believes him instantly. and Because of, you know, the overwhelming evidence. And again, (laughs) the basically futuristic black box on the plane, which says it confirms every single thing we've said. (laughs) You're like, you could have just looked at that, you know, instantaneously, but... 
Sorry, Imperial Fist fans. I hate Robo Darth so much. <laughs> now, the cool thing is we're going to stop talking about Garrow now, but don't worry. He comes back up later. For a lot, actually. A lot. So, like, these guys, the reason we, like, we did a sidetrack there into somebody, and now we're not going to talk about him for a little bit, but don't worry. He's coming back hard uh, in the near future. So, Horus now, we're going to jump back to Horus. So, Istvan III is concluded. He's purged his legion. He's purged the... World leaders are purged. Yeah, the, the world leaders, there's no purging of world leaders. World yeah. leaders they killed dead. the one guy. Exactly. <laughs> there was Eric, who was like, hey, guys, I'm not really into this. And they were like, no. <laughs> so yeah, we're going to have Eric's, to murder you, Eric. Yeah, Eric's gone, but the rest of them are all there. Emperor's children have been purged, and Death Guard have been purged. So he has, himself, he has effectively, and of course, Lorgar. So Lorgar was, was pre-purged. The, the word bears were. The word bears, yeah, were pre-purged. So he has five legions that are ready to go. They're rocking and rolling. We, we can do this. Now he needs some more. And he's got to kind of now make a tactical decision. Who does he go and reach out to about, hey, want to go help me kill our dad? And a couple of them, I think, are hard nose. The Blood Angels are literally led by Space Jesus, so they're probably not going to go anywhere. Going. The Ultramarines are led by the ultimate bureaucrat who would literally bore you into telling you that you're not going. He would also confuse you because he would make it you believe that you were wrong the entire time you even talked about it. So those two are right out. And <laughs> there's another one, which is always kind of funny. Uh, like, the Lions, whoopsie. Uh, the Lion is totally loyal. 100% loyal here. Lion, and he thinks everybody else is good. Actually, everybody else with him is good. Yes. Things at home don't go well. His adopted dad, Luther, yikes. Oh, we're going to get there. Get, we'll get yeah. there. But like but Horace makes this call. Blood Angels, Ultramarines, Dark Angels. No way. No way. They're not getting them. And, and then makes some pretty easy calls. He goes, does the Legion led by the psycho killer that drafted only prison sociopath murderers is going to turn to chaos. Good call. They, they weirdly were super okay with it. Yeah. Uh, big shock. The, he got my favorite turd, Perturabo of the Iron Warriors, who hates Rogel Dorn so much. Which he realized he couldn't turn. So we should mention Rogel Dorn and... Khan were too close to Earth, so he had no way to contact. Nobody him. contact him. Yeah. So, so he had to go. But and, also, all right, I give Rogaldorn a lot of Rogel shit. Rogel wouldn't have turned. But Rogaldorn yeah. is literally the paladin. That that guy is yeah. like firmly. His intelligence is four, but he <laughs> he has maxed all his other stats. Also, he's a he's he's kind of a badass. Yeah. Also, so if you're not going to get Rogaldorn, you automatically get Perturabo. Well, let's be honest. One is a siege master. And what is a fortification master? Yeah. And one talks so much shit to the other one. So uh, Perturabo went, which side's Rogel on? Aff almost effectively to his face. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you can try to attack me right now. I'll just run away. But exactly. like, if he's on the other side, I'm in. <laughs> yeah. And then, of course, Alpha Legion, who are... Well, that's that, that one's one. tarred, though. Because talk about retcon. Holy shit. Yeah. Alpharius has a twin brother. One of them is still alive, and you can argue with me about it because there's been four different stories, and there is a particular canon. But no one knew that they, they had that they were identical twins. Exactly. So you don't know which 
at this point, no one knows that there's two of them, but they also, we don't even know from a story standpoint who said what to who. Like, we yeah. don't know who one was of, with, One was. of them supposedly was loyal, and one of them was not. So right now, Alpha Legion comes over, Iron Warriors and Nightwings. The Thousand yeah. Sons, and we're going to get to them in a second. They came over in a bit of a weird way, but he's got these guys. The challenge well, while Horus has... Is they came over in a weird way after leaving Russ... Bane Magnus oh, yeah, over yeah, his yeah, knee. Yeah. <laughs> they can't remember in the sense that like the Thousand Sons weren't necessarily, and we'll get to, we, we're going to tell that story in a second, guys. So hold hold on, we'll feed you. But the issue right now that he does have is he's got Raven Guard, Salamanders, Iron Hands, and Space Wolves. Space Wolves. Lieben was never coming over. No, and I think I don't believe he was getting Salamanders. Never. You're never going to get Vulcan. Vulcan is the only good guy in the entirety of Imperium. And Korax is. Actually, we're going to go over how much of a badass Korax is pretty sure. Pretty He's shortly. an invisible ninja assassin that's also a demon Primarch, but he kind of one of the coolest acts of betrayal that he also, that, that Horus does is Mars. So we've, we discussed before one of the only ways that, man, that the Emperor was able to stretch into the Great Crusade was the deal he made with Mars. He, he goes to Mars. Mars is this planet that's actually really a factor. It it's, is a planet factory. It's a planet factory. It makes, and they worship the things they make, basically. Yeah, it, they make spaceships. They make weapons. They make everything. Yeah, and, the Adeptus Mechanicus is Mars. Yeah, and so the Emperor makes a deal with them. The deal he makes with them is, if you provide my army, or my, my, my army, my empire, with equipment and all this stuff, I will help find you more technology. I will give you technology. And so that is their deal. Horus knows of this deal. But what Horus also knows is that the Emperor is lying. That the Emperor knows how dangerous some of this technology is and won't give it all to Because them. he was alive during yeah. that time, and he's also a dick. Yeah, exactly. So Horus knows this. And so what Horus realizes is that he could get, if he got Mars on his side, now he has all the weapons. Which is a good, when you're waging war, Pretty good to have seems, weapons. Seems strong to yeah, have. Yeah, feels strong. Like if I have all the weapons and my opponent has pointy sticks, see Conquistadors. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Didn't work out well. Horus does this trick where he reaches out to Kelbor, who's one of his Admech liaisons, and he sends him back to, the, to, to Mars and tells him, and with a gift, it's an STC. He presents it to the... the fabricator of mars and says stc is the, the, the device back from the old times that could effectively create anything and this is the thing admet care about more than anything yes. these are what it, they it is want. again is the holy grail they for the only admet. want stcs and so for horus to just have one creates a bit of a problem because the deal the emperor made with admet was that they got all of these so why does horus have one and horus. why have we never gotten any yeah not one and Horus makes a deal with them and says, look, the Emperor's been lying to you. Just like he's this same way he's convinced everybody, he's been lying to you. I will give you this STC and I will give you more of them. Not only that, but I'll also remove the Emperor's restriction of using AI. Which they are huge. By the way, they worship that. <laughs> so. so needless to say, Mars goes, yep, we're in. And the Emperor loses a planet in his own solar system and maybe the most important production facility in the world. So oh, this by is, far, like laughably. So now, though, the Emperor knows. He knows he's been betrayed, and the Emperor's going to react. Luckily for Horus, at this stage, Lorgar is still somewhat useful. <laughs> well, I, I do like our line here. So 
he knows he's been found out. Horace knows he has to get rid of some people fast mm-hmm. or he's not going to be because he needs to push now. Yeah. This because is go he, time. Yeah. Well, he also doesn't know. We have, again, millions of worlds. I know how many space marines I have. I don't know how many worlds I'm going to have. I might just lose to, like right now, if you play Imperial Guard, I might lose to the endless hordes of guards. Yes. So he has to go, and he has to go to Terra, and he has to do it now. How's he going to go about doing that? He needs to lose some space marines that aren't with him. And he lays traps. He lays about, actually... He lays double digit traps. Like there's yeah. book wise. It's constant traps, actually. But it's all it, the thing is, is that it's Horace great. actually lays double digit giant schemes that all go at the same time. He makes Kaiser Soze look like he's not doing too much. <laughs> like just oh, all of there's multiple really novels. How old we are that we both <laughs> reference Kaiser Soze. Like you're that welcome. Was, that was a great movie when I was in high school, right? All of you, all of you in high school, all your parents hadn't met yet. Awesome. Uh-huh. <laughs> he sets up trap after trap after trap. And all of these are set to literally go off at the same time. Because mm-hmm. again, we still have communications problems, but people don't know why we, right now, we have no idea why we have communications problems. And then we're about to have what's known as the drop, drop site massacre. Yeah. So before so the drop site massacre is Istvan 5. So we were on Istvan 3 last time. Word has gotten out. Horus has turned against the Emperor. And word goes to all the Primarchs, go kill Horus. In secret, though, right before, as this is all happening, right before, it's not clear in a timeline, but Lorgar brings Alpharius, Pedarabo, and Conrad Plumes onto his ship and explains to them what Horus is doing. Horus is turning on the Emperor. To save them. To save them. And they are all given the sales pitch. As we discussed, right, Pedarabo just went, where's Rogel Dorn? It's with the Emperor. Cool, I'm with you. Conrad Kurz is a psychopath who goes, you, so you want me to murder people? Yeah, all right. I was going to do that anyway. And Alpharius I... just kind of says, sure, uh, maybe. And we don't know if he really, if he had fingers crossed what he, he did. Exactly. <laughs> it gets a little bit this. But effectively, Emperor doesn't deserve their loyalty. Empire is built in deceit. Blah, 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 blah. So they agree to, to turn traitor. But no one knows this. So as far as the Imperium is concerned, our traitor legions are Luna Wolves, who are now who have now changed their names to the Sons of Horus, Death Guard, Emperor's Children, and of course the Word Bears. They know and, and, this. And world leaders. And oh yeah, the world leaders. Of course. So now the Salamanders, the Iron Hands, and the Raven Guard are coming in to attack. Oh, these guys are all hanging out on a planet. Let's go down to that planet to fight they're, them. They're weirdly standing on this X. Yeah, there's, there's this X thing with a big like welcoming parade for us to attack. <laughs> Definitely not a trap. They were supposed to basically vanguard push, and then they were going to be supported by their brothers. And one of the big, the reason it actually made a little bit of sense is one of their brothers was the Iron Warriors, mm-hmm. who are siege masters. So, hey, you give me some space. And I will set up and I will take down all their defenses. You go over there first. So they do. They, some, this is going to hurt Brad, I'm sure, because he really loves himself some salamanders. But the salamanders... Get flatlined like nobody's business. <laughs> they, so they all land and they just start tearing through. I mean, this is... The difference is, is 
with the exception of the world eaters, there is anger in the salamanders and, and the iron hands and the raven guard. There is genuine they got betrayed, anger, which is one of the reasons why it actually makes sense that they fell to this because they felt so betrayed that they're beyond logic. They are trying, they are basically striking out in vengeance and they're angry because their their actual brothers have betrayed, have betrayed them. them. Yeah, and, and killed them. I mean, not just betrayed. Remember, this isn't. They're not getting a notification that Horus says he's against the emperor. They find out that Horus killed his own soldiers, his own gene seed. Also, the books are well worth reading because there is a bunch of chapters which are dedicated to how badass the Primarchs are. Oh yeah, point in time. I mean, we're gonna get the Korax just being king of fight in a well, second. Well, Korax is doing stuff, but Vulcan is literally being a giant with a hammer. Just sledgehammering he's, space he's, He looks like Sauron at the yeah. beginning, and he's just, just boom, just knocking waves, cool. guys. And so they are just ripping through the, the traitor legions. And as they're doing this, Alpha Legion, Iron Warriors, and the Night Lords. The, the reinforcements. Yeah, the reinforcements have landed. So now they've fought the traitors have actually started retreating, and we've now, it's the Urgal Depression. We, we have secured it. Cool. Our buddies are here. Go get them, Iron Warriors. And what happens next, Brad? <laughs> Shit goes down. <laughs> One Vulcan catches a nuke to the face. So yeah, that was cool. <laughs> like, uh, by the way, I'm not actually like, ha ha, funny. I'm not making fun. He literally takes a nuke, ground zero. <laughs> To his head. It disappears. Now the attack comes from the new traitors are attacking. And then, of course, the old traitors come just hurtling towards them. And so now they're trapped. You've got the loyalists. They're between. They, they could not be in a worse position. They are actually, to quote Star Wars, they have the low ground, not the yeah. high ground. Um, they're being shot down on by siege masters. Um, and again... Certain and, part because they're pretty spread apart. I yeah. know this sounds like one big like tight battle, right. but it's planet wide, which is again why Vulcan took a nuke. Yeah, a he, legitimate he was nuke over there. Yeah. Also, they were kind of like we won't we don't want to deal with him. Let's hit it with a nuke. Let's just nuke everyone now. Well, everyone's charging at them. Oh, this is the big thing though. We we have to go into this. The world word. Sorry, word. There's so many people with similar names. The word bear, Lorgars, the guy that initially started this, shows up with his legion, but his legion has secretly been just accepting demons. Demons into them. Into them. So they are the first possessed Marines, which they are Marines, but they have demon souls inside them, which makes them faster, stronger, able to cut through Armor like butter, basically. With, with their hands, yeah. they are, they're called the Galvorbach, is the term that they, they use for them. And they are just lightning fast. And they start ripping through the Space Marines. However, <laughs> true, they're not Primark fast. And Ninja Warrior. <laughs> Ninja, yeah, Ninja Warrior Primark. Corax, the Primark of the Raven Guard effectively starts doing killer combos on everybody and just begins just slaughtering them so again backs to the wall it's time to fight and Korax just starts slaughtering these what were supposed to be perfect soldiers wave after wave just like it's nothing 
And then Lorgar, and that's the only way to probably pronounce his name, by the way, is Lorgar, gets upset that his possessed brothers are getting killed and decides to jump in and fight. <laughs> Sorry, Word Bear fans, but Corex beats him down like a red like it's step nothing. Child. It just, just it's like explodes him. Corex has been fighting for like 22 hours at this point, is fighting demon infused space marines, kills them. A Primarch shows up and he just beats him silly like it's nothing. <laughs> he ra- he does a Hulk on Loki on it. Yeah, just no. It, it isn't a close fight. He pummels him. Pummels him. L- only to be saved by Korax's weird vampire cousin, Conrad Cruz, jumps in. Ooh, ooh. Even though he's a super weirdo, the Night Hunter is a badass. Oh, he can fight. Oh, he can fight. He's just... He's just super weird. Yeah, it's like Chris. Well, I mean, my viewpoint is always I always thought Korax was kind of goth, whereas like Curse is actually a vampire. Yeah, because <laughs> like no, he's like, a super weirdo. Yeah, I'm actually a vampire. Also, read his book; it's fantastic. Oh, it's great. It's Alien in 40k. So Curse jumps in, and then at this point, right, Korax has to. Flame. Well, okay, we got to back up a little bit here. The Gene Seat basically mm-hmm. is what makes Marines, and they have to. It's it's an actual gland in the Marines that they make other Marines from. And he's worried that I will not have a Legion. I won't have a chapter. I won't have a, I won't have a yeah. core, a, a barbershop quartet at the end of this. Yeah. Me and everyone I, I care about is about to die. Yeah. So he grabs some bros and literally gets out of here. And we're talking, I can't even remember what the number is. I think it's like 50 or something. Yeah. It's tiny. So he then runs away, so to speak. I mean, but again, when we say runs away, he runs away yeah, after- on the planet that's surrounded by his enemies and are hunting to kill him. At the same time that this is all going down, for the other Marines who are stuck out there, Mortarian, Angron, and Horus end up planet side. And they brought some Titans with them. And the thing is, is like while this is all going on, a ton of people don't still don't know what the hell's happening. Yeah. Because they think they're supposed to be battling X and... YZ and Alpha have all shown up and they don't know who's supposed to be fighting who, who's elite, who's fighting with me, who's not. There's actually tons of parts of the story where these guys, because the communications were jammed and they're running back to Iron Warriors going, hey, these bubble, we got attacked by so-and-so. They're like, man, that's a bummer. And then they get shot in the face. Yeah. <laughs> You're just like, oh man, this is the worst way ever to die. <laughs> so I, I like calling out some of the firsts that happen. Here. And so we got a cool first here. And the first is oh. the death of a Primarch. Well, it's de- not even just the death of a Primarch. It's the death of it's the death of a Primarch by the hand of his best yeah. friend. So I'll let Brad spend some time here explaining the friendship between Ferris. Ferris and Manus Fulgrim. and Fulgrim were legitimately like tighter than anybody else. They mm-hmm. were they were the best of friends. They were they did things together. Ferris Manus made Fulgrim's weapons as this is my finest craftsmanship. Uh, the <laughs> This is one of the best. Weirdly enough, the Primarch of the Iron Hands has Iron Hands. Every now and then you just have to go, But he's a, he's a Forge Master. I mean, not as good as Vulcan. But... <laughs> Oh, I have some favorites here, everyone. It's fine. It's so fine. these guys are Titus of Titus. They've been, I'm pretty sure they've been on more uh, 
engagements and worlds together than any of the other primaries. So they've been, they fought side by side for 500 years. And Fulgrim is now went to chaos. And Ferris Manus actually, before this, is told that Fulgrim went to chaos and refuses to believe it. They got told by Eldred. But, <laughs> but can't, there's no chance, like, you're, there's no chance my best friend and my brother would turn to chaos. It cannot, it, no, you know, you're, you're saying the sky is pink, you know, I mean, up is down, down is up, not a chance. They meet on the field of battle and Ferris won't fight him at first. He like actually won't. And then he, you get to the point where he realizes that his brother has actually fallen to chaos and Fulgrim's trying to turn him at this point in time. And Ferris Manus has none of it. He's still trying to like process. Well, they're both trying to turn each other. Right. It's just, unfortunately one of them, is more turned than the other. Let's put it that way. I mean, well, Fulgrim's gone at this point. Ful, well, Ful, yeah, Fulgrim's gone, and Ferris doesn't want to fight and wants Fulgrim to come back. I mean, it's actually really sad. You know what I mean? It's it's a pretty hardcore thing in the book. And they eventually get to the point where I Fulgrim's just if you basically he does the he does the Star Wars. You know, you're either with me or against me. You, you either join or I'm going to kill you. And then takes the blades that Ferris created for him, like his personalized weapons that Ferris Manus made for Fulgrim. And so they begin fighting and Fulgrim, Ferris beats Fulgrim. Oh, he's dominating. Ferris is just beating out there, but he cannot kill him. And he's got he multiple, he, he he misses two different kill shots. Yeah, he, well, he, he, he can't Because he it. talks to him. He, he yeah. literally, he gives him the... What are you doing? What are you man? doing, man? Come on, man. What are you doing? We're best friends. And then, well, he gets the kill shot effectively while he's talking. And then Fulgrim at this time is actually has two blades. One is the one Ferris gave him. Another Which one, he's been fighting with the whole time. But also has a demon blade that he doesn't know is a demon blade, but it's totally demon. Well, it's, when we say demon blade, it is legitimately a weapon that has a warp entity, a demon, a greater demon mm -hmm. inside of it, a powerful entity. So... It is a plus, plus, plus. It's a plus five weapon. Yeah, plus five Vorpal Sword. Yeah. And so it's a Vorpal Sword because that's what it does. The sword itself cuts off Ferris's head. Well, it actually guides his hand. Yeah, guides his hand. In well, it. Also over, that's when he begins to be overpowered by it. And in the book, he even talks about, like, Fulgrim tries to stop it. Yep. Fulgrim doesn't want to kill him, but the blade yeah. goes, yeah. nah. Fulgrim is fully convinced to chaos, but he also doesn't want to kill, again, his, his best, best friend. friend. Yeah. And so the he, blade... Just the blade also takes him over. But the best part about the blade is you don't know because they allude to it in the book. But there's a chance that Fulgrim might see that he's wrong right now. Mm -hmm. And they basically seal the deal of him going to chaos. I mean, he is chaos, but they seal the deal that he can't. He has no redemption arc by the sword taking his arm over and literally cutting off Ferris Manus's head. And then at this moment, Ferret, Fulgrim is somewhat apoplectic about killing his brother, which then allows the demon to, to possess, possess his body. Although it's a weird possession. It's not like, well, there's lots of possessions that come up. This was less of a possession, more of an imprisonment. Fulgrim was inside. The sword. Yeah, Fulgrim was inside, was inside, but the demon now possessed Fulgrim. 
Yep. And so, and even though Fulgrim said I was totally in charge of the yeah, entire we'll time. The, the, the Fulgrim marks get a little bit weird. Um, and he turns into a snake, spoiler alert. But anyway, so now, <laughs> now we'll go back to Korax. And because so this is kind of a, this is, we talked about how you know, not all the legions get destroyed. So Korax and his buddies in the Raven Guard, they're, they're, they're hiding. And when you, when you run well, away, you know who likes chasing people who run away? The psycho. Angron. The, the, the guy that's in charge of ads. Yeah. So don't, and, don't no boss battles, just ad kills. Now, and I'll be honest, if I was fleeing an army, the army with the nails in their skulls who wanted carrying chainsaws chasing me seems a lot more intimidating than a lot of the other ones. Yeah, like they're probably not gonna give up any they they also they looked at their calendar and they said, uh, looks like it's open except for murder. Yeah, we're <laughs> we're partying. So Korax and the Raven Guard are fleeing. They're they're being chased and Angron gets him cornered eventually. And they're ready to do this. And out of nowhere, because they're Raven Guard and they are sneaky. Oh, well, that is a big thing. The, the Raven Guard's full ability is they are stealth masters. They are forward deploying. They're sitting next to you in the guard post going, I wonder if anybody's <laughs> going to attack, guys. So these guys are <laughs> stealth masters. So they are leading them on a merry chase. Also, they are outnumbered. Yes to 50 yeah. at this time. Yeah. And really killed them. But luckily, mm-hmm. one of their captains who came from their home world to help out appears out of nowhere, Raven Guard, and just bombs a bunch of the world eaters, drops effectively a, drops, does a drive by yeah, and they all jump on board. Jump on the ship and peace out off world. So Korax is but Korax is very hurt at this point, and he's got like eleven friends. Yeah, you know, so it's like there's not a lot left, but they're now off well, world. He's still not doing as bad as Vulcan did. Vulcan went, hey, I wonder if they've got something they can make more guys on of Terra. Yeah. You know, it's, remember when we took a nuke to the face? Yeah, it was sucky. Kind of all of me. So at this point, Horus is celebrating. Three of the lawyers, lawyers are effectively destroyed. They and Korax, you know, is, is wounded. Ferris, Ferris Manus is dead dead and they believe vulcan is dead so he's killed two of the three primarchs they, they, they actually that's a big thing on that they don't actually know that he's eternal at this point yeah, yeah, no one does i don't actually think he knows I think at this the, point. the emperor knew and it's probably the emperor knows the emperor knows and so they effectively think they've killed two out of three primarchs and they eliminated three legions legions Leg- and, legions and very too. minimal losses i mean the, the the number is they vary around a lot because this is a part of the history that's obviously not recorded because you don't write down your, your losses. <laughs> but the expectation is that there's less than 100,000. Uh, they, they took less than 100,000 losses, whereas these three leagues are gone. gone. So this is a great thing. But now we're going to jump over to Magnus. With what Brad was saying earlier, Horus launches all these traps at the same time. In this way, this is, this is done to just confuse and... But he doesn't want a communication either. Yeah. Because anyone... anytime, if anybody found out Estepan happened, Prospero happened, it, they would go, oh no, and be prepared for... Yep. So he has them all happen at the same time. So at the same time of this, we go to the Kafkov stolen Egyptian world of Prospero. <laughs> and we come down and Lehman Russ has been told to burn this place to the ground. Well, no, Lehman was told, go grab Magnus and bring yeah, him back. Yeah, and that's true. Back I, my bad. He was told by the Emperor right. to go grab your brother and bring him back right. here. Horace said, no, he has really offended the Emperor. You need to murder Magnus and set the planet on fire. You need to murder Magnus and everyone around him. 
And so Lehman totally in on this one. Also you know, doesn't even like Magnus. He doesn't like Magnus, <laughs> like Magnus to start with. Magnus needs to be an ally for Horus or to not exist. Win-win either way. So Lehman's on his way. Hor- you know, so what happens is, though, this, the Space Wolves arrive at Prospero to attack. And the Magnus goes, hey, hey, guys, I know you're here to, to grab me. I'm, I'm ready to go face my judgment. And Lehman rushes goes, nah. I'm killing everybody. Yeah. Well, he actually makes an impassioned speech with logic and sense, leaving with, yeah, like, I'm still going to wreck you, bro. Yeah, <laughs> we're doing this. And so. It's like, I don't, I don't know what this whole talkie talkie tig thing is. Like, uh, <laughs> we need to move this one along. Yeah, I, I brought my whole army with me, and we're going to kind of wipe out your army. And well, they he, attack. he doesn't just end the Thousand Sons. They, he goes buck wild. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he has the thousands. He has the space wolves go. Yeah, if you live on Prospero, you're gone, yo. <laughs> One interesting thing I, I thought about this is that the thousands are the only Psyker army uh, at, at this stage. The only Psyker heavy army. Lehman is not, so he does plan ahead and he brings Sisters of Silence with him because they're blanks, which we'll get into later. But they bring in the ability to, to stop to psychics. stop psychic powers, and also brought custodes with him. You because know, why not? Why not? Because when you're going to win, why win by 50 when you can win by 150? So this thousands have never had a chance here. I mean, they never had a chance. But it's not helped by the fact that Magnus is just kind of wild. Oh, he goes full emo. Yeah. Well, he, he fights. They, 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 Magnus, eventually, you can only be passive for so long. And the thousands begin to fight back. They do fight back. They fight back with psychic power. They do all this stuff. But they're losing. And Magnus well, tells... Doing that, though, actually almost was a bad idea. Because they were originally... Meh. They weren't super psyched up. As soon as they started using the heresy powers, because the Space Wolves are no bueno yeah. about <laughs> sorcery, they yeah, basically yeah. enrage all the berserkers... Not a librarian heavy army. All the no. berserkers hit the rage button, <laughs> and double their attacks. They all come in hard. Magnus realizes what's going to happen. He goes to Araman, who comes up much more later, and says, grab everybody, go into the temples, and hide the temples. I'm going to go deal with this. And he goes out and meets Lehman Russ in combat. Now, in a sparring session, Lehman Russ would beat the living piss out of Magnus. <laughs> I mean, Which he no, does. Which he would. In an actual fight, where Magnus doesn't really want to fight, and Lehman Russ is juiced to the nines. He this is a ruins his soul. <laughs> literally lifts him in the air and breaks his back over his knee. And and then as Magnus is lying there with a broken spine, Lehman comes to kill him. And as he kills him, Magnus decides to join Zinch. Wait, decides to join Zinch and basically time doesn't operate the same way in the warp yeah so magnus in the actual in the time of the killing stroke has a long conversation with zinch about what's going to happen to my sons what's going to happen to my planet and everything else and he says no problem i will take care of that and prospero a version of prospero i guess mm-hmm. gets teleported into the warp, the eye, the eye of terror, the the go between between the warp and the real world. So you have Prospero just chilling out, 
in the Eye of Terror now. And as with all deals you make with Demon Princes, didn't go well. Zinch said the truth that that they all would not die, but their souls of the entire Thousand Sun Army and everyone on Prospero, Prospero, now belong to Zinch. Well, that was. We'll go into the Aramon on that. Yeah, the Rubric of Damnation was a uh, whoopsie. There's also that piece. Magnus, at the same time, with his broken back and everything else, also he sells himself out and becomes the second demon prince to, be, to, to fall to become a demon prince. So now he's on the traitor side. Horus now, we're at next steps, brings in his buddies. So he's got world eaters, children. Nine, there's nine and nine. Yeah, nine and nine, sort of. Well, yeah, I was saying you've got nine and. Well, the thing is, is that to be to be fair. The traitor legions lost. There's nine legions, and while yes, they slaughtered three of them, of the others, their legions aren't doing great either because they purged themselves yeah. half of each That's of their true. legions. Yeah. So, so yes, they have the advantage, but they also have point five, point five, point five kind of thing coming in because they decimated 60 percent of their own guys. And so at this <clears throat> point. Horus has to decide what the next move is. And the next move is twofold. One, get to Earth. Because as Brad mentioned earlier, we know how many worlds are in the Imperium. We don't know how many of them are going to side with, with, with each one. And logistics <clears throat> are a real thing. You, you don't have a ton <clears throat> of time to wage these wars before you run out of problems. Yep. You run out of food. You run out of yep. vehicles. You run out of every bullets, everything yeah, else. Exactly. And, and, the, and the sitting time is the longer you do it, the longer... And the emperor can bring everyone together and have overwhelming force. So what he decides is, I'm sending five of you, sort of. I mean, it's, it, I'm going to send five of you to Mars. The sort of is we're going to cover later as far as how it gets there. And then the, the remaining four are going to wage what are effectively terror campaigns throughout. throughout. We're going to just disrupt, trying disrupt, to, disrupt. We're going to try to disrupt logistics. We're going to try to get people to come, which actually... Doesn't work out even remotely, but not even in the in the ballpark. But you know, it, it, it's fine. Some of this makes sense. Iron Warriors, hey, go piss, go attack the fists. I think they're going to do that, whether you told them to or not. Um, <laughs> Night Lords, go harass people. Yeah, I was, they might have been doing yeah, that. Anyways. Go find random planets and kill people on it for fun. Uh, all right, you mean the ones we're Tuesday? Already, yeah, the ones we're already on, or some new ones. <laughs> And then the Alpha Legion is kind of, we're going to have to spend a lot of time on them because it really, this is where Brad's comment about the Alpha Legion. We don't really fully grasp what was going on, what wasn't going on with them, but we'll cover it. They either did terrible or they were still lead. Loyal. So that's, so, but as we're coming to the end, of the end of this episode, let's just make sure everyone's following along at home. So Horus, the Traitor Legions have Horus, the Luna Wolves, Fulgrim, who is now a demon, the Emperor's Children, Magnus, who's also a demon with, with his thousand sons. Pedarabo and his iron warriors. But we have to go with Magnus real quick. Magnus currently doesn't have a full real legion, and we'll go into that right. more in the next episode. Yeah. Mortarian with his death guard. Lorgar with his word bears. Angron, the world eaters. Conrad, Cruz, and the night lords. And Alpharius Plus with Alpha Legion. He also has Mars and all four chaos gods. Which means that he has... Effectively, you can make demonic incursions from the warp as long as you're doing whatever 
their thing is. Yep. So, so he has the warp on his side, actually, on top. So right. another way, he also has the warp on yes. his side. People can't travel. Yeah. The Empyrean has Rogel Dorn, who's at full strength. Jagadi Khan, who's well, at full strength. Well, the thing, big, biggest thing is, is Rogel Dorn being in the, the Terra. Yep. You have your literal fortification master at your fortification. At the place that the enemy's coming. And yeah. also, Terra is a planet-sized fortification. <laughs> so, Plus uh, the Himalayans. Yeah. <laughs> Lehman Russ, uh, he's on his way back after after wrecking Magnus. So Lehman Russ is also mostly full strength. Then you technically have the Salamanders. We think the Primarch is dead. We don't know how many are left. Gilliman on the Ultramates, who's I think I, I think might be the largest of the armies by far, but he's, but he's also on the wrong side of the wildly far yeah. away because Horus sent him. Sent him. We're going to cover some of this stuff. Yeah. Be out, Horus literally sent people that he the people that he couldn't kill. He's yeah. and, that he, and then he couldn't turn. He said, "Hey, will you go get the Snarf?" On the other side of the universe. <laughs> and they were like, that sounds weird, but whatever. Yeah, you're <laughs> in charge. We'll, we'll go there. Ferris Manus is dead. The Iron Hands are decimated. There's a few left. And then Korax is heavily wounded. And the Raven Guard are a glee club right now. There's barely anybody left. They also do have the Adeptus Custodes, though. And they have a sister silence and the most powerful being in the galaxy. Like laughably by far. Yeah, by far. So that's kind of where we're at. So as a conclusion, you know, at, at this stage, our traders have the upper hand. They outnumber the, the, the space marines and they're on the offensive. They've got powerful allies. And one of the biggest things they have going for them is that they, they're singular in purpose right now. They just want to go conquer. Whereas the Imperium has to govern and defend itself and kill its traders, which is stretching them a lot thinner. And so our next episode, we're going to cover some of the really cool side stories of the journey to the gates of Terra by the Traitorous Legions. For those who are new to this, this whole area has 30, 40 books yeah. it, it, it covering this. So what ends up happening is the first chunk we've covered here is fairly linear. What we're going to end in now is kind of these more nonlinear stories. If all this then kind of happens at the same time, because we're talking about a seven year period, but it, the universe is three dimensions. So things are happening all over the universe. At the same time. Once again, I'm John Barsati. This is Brad Chester. Scott. And thank you for listening to the 40K Lorecast.